I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail, a couple of weeks ago, a vital piece of economic infrastructure came under attack. All eyes will be on the NZX today with expectations that strengthened systems and backup measures will hold firm against any further cyber attacks. The stock exchange suffered trading halts last week and disruption yesterday for a fifth day after a denial-of-service attacks took its website offline. It's the latest twist in what's been a pretty busy year for the share market. Economies around the world are in turmoil, but many markets are enjoying a big rise. And disruptor apps, making investment an option for people who otherwise might never have considered it, are a big part of that. But there are fears this democratisation could lead to people who don't really know what they're doing, pumping their savings into long-shot companies, a sort of gamification of investment. So what does all this tell us about where the economy is headed And do we need to consider more safeguards around third-party apps? Maybe first of all, it would be helpful to get a quick explanation of what the stock market actually is. The stock market is really a collection of businesses that happen to be listed on a public exchange that anyone can sort of buy and sell on. That's Mark Lister. He is the head of private wealth research at Craig's Investment Partners. When you own a stock or a share or an equity, and those are terms that all mean the same thing, Um, the Americans tend to say stocks, we usually say shares, but it's all the same thing. When you buy a share in, let's say, Spark or A2 Milk or Main Freight, Uh, you own a small part of that business. These are are real businesses that have customers and generate revenues and profits and expenses, and and you own a a part of that, uh, albeit a, a very small part of that. The share market or a stock market is just really uh, an exchange that allows the the small parts of all of those businesses to be freely traded between you and I uh, or KiwiSaver fund managers or, or other entities. And what does owning a little part of a company, what does that actually mean from the perspective of a shareholder? Well, it means that you will share in the ups and downs of that company. So you will share in the good things that happen to that company uh, or the or the troubles that ra- they run into. So uh, most people buy shares because they want to get a return on their money. So the way there's only two real ways you'll get a return. You'll either get a dividend uh, paid to you, which is your share of the profits. So if Main Freight, as an example, and I use that one because it's a pretty well-known business. Um, if Main Freight makes a profit and I own some Main Freight shares, I will get a small slice of that profit as, as my part of it. And the other way you'll get a return is the share price will either uh, will hopefully go up. You know, it could go down, it could go up. Hopefully over time it will go up as Main Freight or the company in question gets bigger, wins more customers, finds new innovative ways to do business and, and grows its profits. So um, that that's sort of where the rubber hits the road. You know, you buy a piece of a company and you'll get to share in any future profits for the, the, the time that you own it and you will... Um, you will sort of benefit if that company goes up in value and the share price sort of accordingly rises or if we have a recession, if we have a pandemic, if uh, the company runs into problems for whatever reason, the share price could fall. Um, So you're taking on that risk just like any business owner is. 
Now, if you're in the share market, you might have heard something interesting in what Mark just said. He mentioned in a situation like a global recession or a pandemic, you might see the price of a share drop. And given the turbulent state of economies around the world, you might also expect markets to be down to reflect that economic uncertainty. But following a big dip in March, New Zealand's stock exchange, the NZDX, has bounced back and it's now close to its all-time high. So what's the correlation between the state of the share market and the state of the economy? Your share market should be really a reflection of how your economy is tracking, or more importantly, how it's expected to go in the future, because the share market always looks forward. You've got all these smart people that are uh, spending a lot of time and energy looking at different businesses and evaluating what their future prospects look like. So the share market does tend to be a very good indicator of what the economic environment looks like going forward. Now, the one caveat I'd I'd uh, make, or the one point I'd make is that share markets are not always a perfect reflection of economies. So you look at New Zealand at the moment and uh, a question a lot of people sort of um, would have is how can the stock market be doing so well when the economy has got some issues? And there's a a range of answers to that, but one of them is that our share market is not a perfect mirror image of what our economy looks like. You know, we have... um, uh, lots of small businesses make up our economy and a lot of them are in things like retail or hospitality or tourism and, and they're doing it really tough at the moment and um, that's not always completely reflected in our share market because we have some of those types of companies on the share market but we have many more uh, commercial property businesses, healthcare businesses, uh, infrastructure businesses, utility businesses and they are actually holding up reasonably well. So. There's a little bit of a mismatch there. It's the same in America. You look at the main share market indices in America, and technology is a really big part of the um, of the share market. Whether it's Apple or Microsoft or Visa or Mastercard, uh, Google, Amazon, all of those businesses that are actually doing very well as a result of the um, the pandemic and the lockdowns, they sort of have artificially, not artificially, it's real, but they they have had a disproportionate impact on the the share market and um, all of those small businesses across Main Street America are not as well represented. So um, generally, a share market should tell you what what the economic um, future looks like, but it's never a sort of one-to-one relationship. You might have heard the share market described as unusually volatile recently. That basically means it's going up and down a lot more than usual. Shares trade sort of every day in big volume, so so they're always moving around a lot, which is just part and parcel of the share market. You know, long term it tends to go up, but over shorter time periods they can sort of move up and down just depending on what current conditions look like. So while that's normal, the volatility and the big swings up and down on a sort of day-to-day basis that we've seen through 2020 as a result of all the pandemic sort of nervousness, they're, they're not normal. Well, volatility is normal, but probably not to the degree that we've seen um, over the last few months, six months. And of course, the NZX has seen some unwanted headlines lately. The government has pulled in the heavyweights to investigate attacks on the NZX. The stock exchange has been the victim of attacks for four days in a row. Its website has been brought to its knees and as a result, trading was yet again halted today. The GCSB has been called in, but ministers are staying tight-lipped on the action they're taking. 
I think the crux of it is that it's the sort of website that was really under attack, not so much the market, but the website is a key medium for the stock exchange to give people information. So when that information website was running into its problems, they sort of shut down trading just really as a a precautionary sort of measure to make things fair because you can't really sort of do allow people to buy and sell if they're not getting full information. So you've got to make that distinction. It wasn't sort of the, the trading system or the stock exchange as such that was running into issues. It was purely that website. For most people, it's it's probably neither here nor there unless you happen to want to sell or buy on one of those days and um, the market happened to be closed and you couldn't do your buying and selling. So if you're just a long-term buy and hold investor, either a private investor or if you're a KiwiSaver fund, um, it probably hasn't been hugely disruptive unless you needed to sort of do some selling um, at one of those periods. At the same time, it was definitely an inconvenience. It was definitely an annoyance, um, and we certainly hope that we've we've seen the back of um, those issues. But no one's lost any money. No one's you know funds or investments have been affected. So from from that um, viewpoint, uh, there, there hasn't really been any any major issues that have emerged. One of the reasons the share market's doing so relatively well at the moment is the massive increase in transactions. During the pandemic, the NZX went from about 19,000 trades a day to a peak in April of 112,000. That's a nearly 500% increase in trading volume. The stock market's an example of spending money to make money. You buy shares, hopefully the company does well, they go up in value, maybe you get a bit of a dividend, your shares appreciate, you sell them, ka-ching, profit. There are other ways money can breed money too. You could invest in property, for example, but it costs a bomb to get involved with that right now. You could also just leave your cash in the bank and collect the interest. But interest rates are so low at the moment that investing is actually much more appealing if you're serious about generating more wealth. And another facet behind the investment explosion is ease of access, facilitated by new disruptor technologies which are making it much easier to actually invest. We're seeing people who are putting very small amounts of money into the share market for the first time. That's Nine to Noon's tech commentator Peter Griffin talking about the rise of Sharesies, a share trading and wealth improvement app founded a couple of years ago. Back in the day, getting into shares was a kind of scary convoluted process. You had to get a broker. There were minimum investment amounts in the hundreds or the thousands of dollars. It was a bit freaky, you know, a world inhabited by people who really knew what they were doing or people who were driven to learn or for the follied few with more dollars than cents. Now, apps like Sharesies mean you can sign up and start trading pretty much immediately and there's a lot of uptake. Sharesies has more than doubled its number of users since April and now has around 215,000 people in New Zealand trading using the app. A similar app in the US, Robinhood, has grown to more than 13 million users in the past four years. And in a sense, that's really empowering, right? All of a sudden this shadowy world gets some sunlight. But there are concerns... Regulators are increasingly concerned about what they call the gamification of share trading. So in Robin Hood, you know, when your share uh, portfolio goes up, there's digital confetti rains down. Here we go. Let's get into the gambling part of our brains, right? If you want to um, place a trade, the 
button is big and shiny. If you want to cancel that trade, it's small. That's not the way to go. You're not going to be a good, successful investor if you're having little dopamine hits and, and, you know, watching your stuff go up and down. So that that is worrying. And, you know, people have jumped into Robinhood in a massive way in recent months. You know, they're even attributing some of the, you know, the spiking share price of Tesla and others off you know, small investors getting into these tech yeah. stocks in particular. So, and then you've got all the social influencers on Instagram and Facebook who are pundits now, who are giving advice and encouraging people to get in. You know, with, I'm still with ASB, so I still get some broker reports and analyst reports giving advice about informed advice about companies. You don't get that with sharesies. So a lot of people, I think, are going to social media, going into these Facebook groups, and sharesies has its own yeah. big Facebook group, and it's advising each other, which is a bit concerning. Leighton Roberts is sharesies acting chief executive. Definitely, it's a technique used by some platforms um, internationally. And I, I would say it tends to be more the trading platforms, so um, platforms focused on trading as opposed to, um, like I say, what sharesies is wealth, wealth development. Uh, like I think one of the big things is the most important thing about wealth development is getting your behaviours right. So anything that can encourage the behaviours that help you to make good decisions, then we'd be all up for exploring. The, the, the challenges are not usually the same for multiple people. So one thing, you know, um, I think one of the examples Peter was talking about, um, and that was fireworks going off when you went in and the returns were up. Uh, and for some people, that creates more like a gambling-type feeling. And for others, it's just a small reward that might encourage them to invest more down the track. But those, can, those differences in that interpretation can result in wildly different outcomes. But um, for sharesies, we, we want it to be a fun, easy experience, and it should be, it should be beautiful. Um, but we, the first thing since day one, actually, on sharesies that we've highlighted is the risk profile on there and how that looks. And rather than celebrating returns or um, gamifying it too much that way. But it needs to be at least as easy and, and fun and enjoyable as buying something else because we, we want people to prioritise money towards investing just like they do to anything else they consume in their life. Here's Mark Lister. Yeah, aspects of that do worry me. Um, and I guess why they worry me is that um, a lot of the people that are investing in that manner are doing so without much knowledge or experience and um, they're unsophisticated, they're naive. You know, I see, I see the sort of Facebook groups and the forums and, geez, some of the questions they ask and things they say, it's it's actually quite scary, you know, how, how little knowledge these people have. And that's all fine in a roaring bull market where everything's going up. You know, anyone can be a good investor when everything's going up. It's a walk in the park. But where you're tested is when things aren't going up. And um, just like just like anything in life, you know, the share market will have its ups and downs. You know, every every sort of seven or ten years, there's a recession. Um, there's a bear market, which means sort of share prices fall. Um, they always come right over the long term, but there can be long periods where share markets don't perform well. You know, think back to the GFC. The US share market fell almost 60% in the GFC, and it didn't re- rebound sort of quickly like the, the fall that we saw earlier this year. It, it took a long time to recover. And what worries me is that um, all of these people will be piling into different companies now and they're just investing on the basis of what their next-door neighbour said is good or what their mate made some money in last week or the one that they, you know, think looks cheap. But without sort of any real research or fundamental analysis behind them, 
uh, some people will come unstuck in the months and years ahead and some people will lose their money and some people will probably lose quite a lot of their money. And, and that makes me nervous because I think it has the potential to put people off um, share investing because they've had a bad experience. So, look, on the one hand, buyer beware. You know, we're all grown up, so we've got to make our own decisions. Um, and on the other hand, it, it's it's almost so easy these days that... You know, we do risk that some of that sort of exuberance causes problems down the track. There was an interesting example, actually, of this slightly misplaced investing a couple of months ago in the USA. The car rental company Hertz filed for bankruptcy, but then raised more than $40 million through selling near worthless stock, with analysts saying this was driven by investors on the Robinhood app, pumping their money into what they thought was like an aristocratic old company selling at bargain basement prices. It's important here to note that Shazies is a direct competitor to Craig's investment partners, so these two are competitors, albeit with theoretically very different clientele. And from Leighton Roberts' perspective, that's kind of the point. They're opening the share market up to people who otherwise would have left their money sitting in a bank account, maybe making 2% a year, but otherwise not really contributing to the economy. We think in an environment where interest rates are so low, where the wealth gap is widening, the housing market is becoming more and more unaffordable for more and more New Zealanders. The share market is just so important as an option for wealth development for New Zealanders over time. And you know the wealthy people in New Zealand have done very well out of that for, for a really long time. So, I mean, on, on one hand, you, there's the, the thing saying, hey, this might be too risky because they're not educated and all this type of thing. On the other hand, is the barriers are too high even to get that education. The reality is that it's not as hard as what many people have made it out to be or as the industry has made it out to be over time. The reality is that if you're involved and with small amounts of money, over time it will build to better long-term wealth. I think ultimately access is so important. The education part means that we have to help people make really good decisions as often as possible. And we also have to make products available that enable them to make good decisions. And I think a lot of the criticism, particularly from overseas, certainly the more headline-grabbing ones, are products where the education has not been there for what people are investing in. So we mentioned before margin, so that's where you're leaning against buying investments and it comes with a different profile and it has its place but it needs more education around that or options which is where you're not actually trading the the share itself you're trading it could be any type of risk element around that but they're inherently more risky than what um, shares are themselves and once again require a lot more education so we're really conscious firstly about what we make available and then also how we communicate that but ultimately we think people have to be involved because it's good for the economy um, it's good for well um, the longer-term economy. It's good for New Zealanders overall wealth development, uh, and we think it will play a large part in, in narrowing the wealth gap that um, has only got wider over the last, well, forever really, but it's, uh, particularly over the last ten years. What sort of education are we talking about there? Like, what what sorts of resourcing do you guys offer? Um, a, a, like a new investor, for example. We have help centres within the app, so you can go on and you can search any type of investing term. Um, we do webinars, we do, we have um, a share club channel where we um, engage people, we have a help area of our website, we release blogs on different investment topics all the time, uh, and then we also have our investor support area, so that's where people can message in through the app. Um, so, yeah, we have a huge amount of focus on those blogs and um, within the app as well, there's a there's a learn um, 
a learn section which breaks down the basics, the order types, and um, and um, how prices and processes work. And that, this is just stuff we'll continue to invest out and make a better experience at the time. So does this area need more regulation? Mark Lister says it's hard to say. On one hand, you don't want people who can't swim jumping into choppy waters. On the other hand, let the buyer beware. We're all across the re- industry, we're all regulated sort of in, in the same manner. Um, and and you don't want to get to a point where sort of you won't let people make their own judgments. You know, if someone wants to take a view on Tesla shares doubling again, then you know, they should be allowed to take that view. But at the same time, you know, I do think that there probably is going to be an increasing regulatory spotlight on, you know, some of the the companies that sort of have, you know, uninformed investors sort of um, making their decisions. So that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to come and clamp down on the way they're working or or stopping them doing what they're doing. But, yeah, it, it is probably an area that will people will be keeping an eye on, I, I would imagine. But could be self-regulating. Like what, what we find is that when people are playing around with sort of relatively small amounts of money, they sort of are happy to just sort of take on a little bit more risk and, 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 and maybe a lot of people that sort of have been trading shares or, or acting sort of a little bit more sort of, you know, risque, uh, maybe it's money that they sort of can afford to lose, in which case it's fine. But what we find is that as people grow their wealth and they've got a little bit more capital behind them, they do tend to think a little bit more carefully about their investments. You know, if you're investing $500 into the share market, you you might take a slightly more relaxed approach than if you're investing 5000 or 50000 As there's more at stake, people start to get a little bit more nervous and that's when they start thinking, geez, maybe I should get a bit of advice. You know, I, I can't afford to lose um, this amount of money. So it's... It's horses for courses, and I think sort of everybody's different. But um, you know that might be sort of what how the trend emerges. It might be something where people, um, as they move up the sort of curve of wealth and, and having more at risk, they might just think a little bit more carefully. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by Newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ on Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holley and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Leighton Roberts and Mark Lister. Kaki te ano.